Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hello, welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. You've got Tracy Newman and Dan Bentley, and we're here to talk to you today a little bit more about sort of our creative leadership. Uh, and in particular, we want to spend some time talking about constructive pushback. But before we get onto that, Dan, how are you? Going well, thanks, Trace. Good, glad to hear it. We're recording on a Tuesday today, which is a little bit unlike us. Normally, Wednesday morning is our is our day for recording, but you weren't well last week, so we had to postpone last week's recording through to this week. So, are you feeling better? Yeah, much better. I was uh, down with a cold. I did about 30 of those rat tests and they all came back negative. But as you can hear, I'm still a little bit croaky. So, uh, all good. Good. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this conversation today. I think every time we're speaking with leaders about this topic, we we certainly generate a lot of lively conversation and a lot of interest in ways that people can both constructively push back against the status quo themselves, but also how they can kind of create the right conditions for other people to feel welcome to be able to constructively push back as well. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot to cover today. So how about we get cracking? Sounds good to me. Excellent. So let's start off as we normally do and just talk a little bit about exactly what we mean when we're talking about constructively pushing back against the status quo. Because I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about pushback and we talk about the status quo, it doesn't always sound very exciting. And probably people are wondering why I'm sounding as excited as I am when we're sort of talking about it. But one of the reasons why I particularly love it is that it's actually encouraging people to delve into and have those conversations that can sometimes feel a bit messy. You know, I think it's so natural for us just to go along with what other people are saying and it's so natural for us to sort of fit in with the status quo and stay where we're comfortable. And I think any kind of conversation that disrupts that is an exciting one. Look, if you are listening to this podcast, you're most likely a leader and as leaders, this is something that's a really critical part of our role is to be able to sort of lead those those change initiatives. And like Tracy just sort of mentioned, sometimes you may not be going with what has always been done. In fact, probably often you're not going with what's always been done. You're needing to carve a, a new path and, and move the organization to the place it needs to get to for it to be successful. In doing that, you really need to be able to bring people on that journey. And also you may have other people that are resistant or maybe just not on board with the change and your job's going to be to get those people on board and see things from your perspective and that's what we really want to sort of talk about today is well how do you do that and there's there's lots of different ways to do this and some are more constructive than others but we're going to try and talk about some constructive ways that you can push back and hence the name of the topic constructive pushback But there are definitely some non-constructive ways you can do this and get what you want, but we obviously want to talk about, you know, ways that you're going to be able to keep people on side as well. I think that's what's really important. Leaders that do this really, really well are able to get their point across, help people understand why they maybe need to look at something differently or see something from a different perspective, 
but also maintain those really strong relationships still in doing so. I agree. And I think sometimes having those strong relationships before you even start obviously is is a really big facilitator of that. And you can't have strong relationships without discussing areas of difference because, you know, you're kind of just trying to wallpaper over bumps in the wall rather than actually, you know, dealing with them properly. So constructive pushback is actually one of those things that can facilitate having a strong relationship. Again, done well, the old, because I said so, that's why, uh, is a really appealing reason to move ahead with something. (laughs) And it feels like it could be really easy, but we all know that that's no way to actually get people to work differently. And it's no way to build a constructive culture that everybody sort of puts in more than what's expected of them because they're so dedicated to what it is that you're all out to achieve together. Yeah. Look, if you're going to use your hierarchy and your authority as as the way to get this stuff done, it might get you what you want in the short term, but it's not going to get what you want in the long term. You know, you're you're damaging relationships and you're going to lose good people. Um, And I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast knows that sort of stuff. It's pretty pretty basic, but thought we'd just reiterate it. Yeah, I I had a uh, an interesting. uh, I went to uh, like a TED talk sort or a TEDx type thing about this particular topic, and this particular topic was what actually made me completely change my career from working in a corporation many, many years ago now to to doing this type of work. And it was something that the guy said in that talk that just absolutely hit me right smack bang in the heart. And it was, he said, you know, if you're working in an organization, if the people around you or above you do not have the same values, you're always going to have a head versus heart battle. And I was just like, wow, that, that was so much of my career in that space. It's like you're not going to be able to change people's values. People's values are their values. And for me, hearing that, I was like, wow. And getting into an environment uh, where I work now with, you know, yourself, Trace, and, you know, other people that we get to work with, it's so important to have those values side of things because you're probably not going to be able to see eye to eye with people if you've got well maybe you can on some topics but it's going to be really much harder and so I found that as a really interesting piece to pull out of that particular training uh, or that particular talk. It's easy to have constructive conversations about disagreements if you've got the same values because you can actually come from that values position and then it's really just a difference of you know what do we think is the best way to progress in line with our values whereas if there's that values misalignment it's really difficult to constructively push back because to your point you're not actually ever going to change somebody's somebody's values so I think that's a good place to start in terms of if if you want to create the right conditions where people are able to constructively push back then having that values alignment is a really important first step because it won't be constructive pushback otherwise it's just going to be people being frustrated and people not really being able to kind of reach agreement because there's that misalignment cool so yeah so how do people get started like what are some techniques that we've seen that really work well to be able to constructively push back? Well, I think the first piece is to build those strong relationships so that you set it up that it is okay to have different views and different opinions and that it's always about the position, not the person. So, you know, it's not that 
you're wrong or that you you don't know what you're talking about. It is just that, you know, um, in terms of how we're going to get from this place where we are to where we want to be, we're going to need to progress forward and this is the reasons that that's important. So it's sort of coming from that that place where it's not personal, where it is just about what it is, that, you know, and, and it's it, it sort of really feeds into the, the piece that we also talk about a lot of, around, you know, bringing your mission to life because if you've all got that shared goal of what you're looking to get towards, well, then it's really a conversation around, well, how are we going to get there and what are the different ways that we can get there and then making decisions, you know, from that perspective. I think that's really good. I think when you have the right relationship with people, you can really do a lot and work well together. I think if you don't have that strong relationship of trust and respecting each other and those sorts of things, then I think it's very hard to even get started in this sense because you're always going to kind of be, people will be taking things the wrong way or thinking you've got a hidden agenda or something like that. So yeah, starting off with that relationship is a, is a really good start. And I can think back from many different scenarios in my working life where I've had people that I've worked with that I have a really, really strong relationship with and they've almost been able to kind of say anything and we've been able to constructively work through it. You look at that and you go, that is a really, really big factor of this is that relationship you have with those people. Do you have that trust? Yeah. And I think when when you're sort of starting with that strong foundation that it is a part of how you work together whereby, you, you know, you're comfortable sharing different views, that's a, uh, you know, that's kind of that sort of first step. But then the, I think the the way that you push back, you know, it's called constructive pushback and it's because, you know, it's not about just saying no and it's not about telling people that they're wrong. It's about actually bringing that constructive piece to that conversation and sometimes one of the best ways to be able to do that and something we talk about a lot is how you actually share that vision of that sort of shared future so you know we talk a lot about storytelling and sharing the stories of the people who I guess we're working hard to create a better future for so or you know we're working hard to create a better future with if we think that by giving people you know, a a lot of numbers on a spreadsheet that it's going to be really obvious why you want to make a change. I think sometimes we're sort of missing that head-heart connection, whereas if we're incorporating that data in and sharing, you know, stories, people can hear it differently and they can really bring that information to life for themselves. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. I think you've got a bit of a methodology that you teach in our training that might be good to share. Sure, yeah. The methodology is one that you'll see a lot of politicians use when you actually have a look at the way that they speak. And it's all about starting off with yourself and sharing why it is that you care 
about the topic that you're talking about? Like, what is it that, you know, when's the time in your life that this issue has become apparent to you? And why do you personally care about it? And then you bring in the community or the people that you're talking to. So what is it that you all have in common? And again, that's where we talk about, you know, setting up that foundation of having a really strong mission focused in your organisation is really helpful because then that is easily the piece that you all have in common. And then, so you're talking about yourself, you're talking about the people that you're talking to and what you've got in common with them. And then there's the catalyst. So why are we going to make a change and what is it that we're going to do together and why is why is now the right time to be able to do that? I know a lot of the time people, you know, often have things that they want to bring to life and it's very easy for that to get put on the back burner. You know, we, we see that a lot where people feel like there's no cost to not taking action and they're very focused on the cost of taking action. So it's about like why do we want to make that change now and sometimes having done that background work on the cost of inaction can really help to bring that piece to life. So, you know, I guess to, to sort of condense that down, it's three parts. The story of me, the story of us and the story of now. And then, you know, sort of bringing that together is a really easy framework to be able to sort of put it around a conversation that's going to lead to some new and, you know, potentially exciting outcomes. Yeah. The other one that I'll add in as well is it's, it's also a lot about how do you yourself respond to being challenged? I think that also plays a really big role. So often we've seen, we've worked with leaders that are like, I want my people to challenge the status quo. I want them to push back. I want them in like the, I do it all the time. You know, they say, I do it, but no one else is doing it. We sort of hear that a bit. And if you go and observe some of their interactions, you actually see them get quite, quite closed when someone challenges them and they go, what do you mean by that? You know, and they kind of become, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the word, is necessarily defensive, but maybe protect protective in a way. Like it's almost like they've almost taken it. I wouldn't say they're like lashing out or anything like that. I don't think there's, you know, maybe there are some people that are doing that, but I'd say in the observations that I'm talking about, I wouldn't say they're kind of lashing out, but they wouldn't say they're open to it. That's what I would say. You know, their, their body language, I, people can't see, if you're not watching the video, you can't see my body language, but they kind of put their, sh- you know, shoulders up and their arms crossed and they, and they lean back and they cover their face and, they do these types of things and, and I think people can really feel that vibe and that energy when they're doing that and they start thinking, oh, no, maybe I've, uh, maybe I've pissed off the CEO or um, a senior leader in the organisation or one of my peers or a board member or whatever that might be. But you think about that, what message does that tell that person versus they bring up that same idea or that same feedback and you remain open and you remain interested and curious around that person's perspective and where they found that from and why do they think that way and really want, want to explore that. I think as well that plays a huge role in, one, having other people to be able to constructively push back. But I think, too, when you role model that behaviour, it also makes it a lot more likely that people are also going to respond well to when you constructively push back. Absolutely, yes. And uh, I agree, it, it, it's not necessarily uh, defensiveness, but often you see people quickly explain the reasons behind, the you know, why something is the way that it is. And that often comes from good intent, but it also closes that conversation down, you know, whereas I think 
almost the same thing but presented slightly differently is just that exploration together okay so you know at the moment we've got this how do you think we could work around that or what other options do you do you see and actually when you're really exploring situations and asking really good questions that's when everybody can then participate in that and that then becomes a really exciting and motivating conversation for people because it there's a a real piece of vulnerability in starting that conversation you know our our basic physiology sort of says fit in with the group. So for somebody to step outside of that and put forward something that they really believe in, that they see is going to be really positive for the organisation moving forward, I guess treating that with care will definitely enable more of that to happen. The other one that works, and we, we do talk about this a bit on some of our other episodes, is testing things before you sort of bring it to get approval for it, if that makes sense. So to go into a room of people or just any sort of meeting or group conversation and say, I've got this idea, it's never been done before, I think it's going to do this with no data, it's going to be really hard to get people across the line with that. It's much easier when you have data to back up your discussion. And when I say data, I just mean facts. You know, I mean something factual that, this concrete that you can kind of use as the, you know, the, the foundations of your discussion. We just see so many people get frustrated because they're like, but it's a good idea. And it's like, well, how do you know that it's actually a good idea? Just because you think it is a good idea, it's probably because it's your idea or you've been on some part of this journey to get this idea. That's why you think it's a good idea. If other people are sort of saying, I'm not really sure, it might, it might just be that you haven't been able to convince them it's not necessarily a personal thing against you or something wrong with them it's just that quite often you haven't been able to convince them so testing is a great way to be able to do that because when you test something with your clients or you know whoever that might be your people or whatever it is you can get some data to say hey have a look at this like we've actually used to do this and these are the results that we get or we currently do this sorry and these are the results that we get but i've changed this small thing and look at this result and you've got something to get people interested. Even to go a step further than that is stand something up in a department or a small part of the organisation and get great results because when you do that, other people usually jump on board really, really quickly. And it's, a, it's an approach that we have started using more and more in our work. Quite often you look at something and you go, oh, this needs to be across the whole organisation, but it's just too hard to get that buy-in early on to be able to make such a big change. So sometimes focusing on a department and sort of standing up the idea there and then taking it for permission then after that and then saying, hey, we've done this change in this department and we feel if we ran it across the whole place, it's going to make a huge difference in these you know, four areas. Here's the data that we've seen so far. This is what we think it's going to change at an organisational level. Let's go ahead and do it. You're quite often going to have a lot more success than going in at an early stage idea. I agree. And the other thing is if you don't, you know, because it's not always possible to test everything before you have that conversation, but that's a great way to to progress. So it may not be that you can get everybody on board with doing something at an organisational level, but you can certainly get people on board with the idea of, well, how about we test it in this environment? How about we test it with this team? So if if it is one of those things that you don't have the ability or capacity or 
you know, resources to be able to create the test beforehand, you can at least progress the conversation by saying, well, how about we just try it here, which also works really well for change initiatives. You know, we talk to a lot of senior leaders who are saying, look, our people are just finding it really difficult to embrace change at the moment because so much is changing in their lives. Again, we can we can encourage people to try something new if we just sort of say, look, we're we're testing this. Can can you can you test it with us and give us your feedback? And that's often a really great way to get people on board with change initiatives as well. Because they actually can give you that feedback and they know that it's not a decision that's already been made that they haven't been involved in. Here's another one that you wouldn't have seen coming. You could co-design this with the people that you're trying to get on board. That works pretty well too. So focus on the problem. Don't focus on the solution so much is what I'm suggesting here. Go out there and say, this is a problem that our organization faces. Does everybody agree with that? And quite often you could get most people to say that there's a problem. That's usually the way the approach of how to move forward is usually the tricky bit. So do that and go, look, I think we need to solve this. Is everybody else on board with that? Get that agreement and go, right, let's let's co-design this. So you could run it as like a, like you would a normal co-design project externally to your organization. You could do that. You could even, if you really wanted to, gold star standard, involve your clients in it as well. I, I feel like this is, you know, really um, predictable content from us because we talk a lot <laughs> about this particular method. But I think it is pretty relevant in this case. But we used to work with a leader a long time ago and she would co-design things without really knowing that it was co-design. But years later, I've sort of looked at, God, geez, that was pretty genius. What she used to do whenever she wanted to get a new idea put through the organization was that she would go around and speak to all the key stakeholders before the meeting or whatever it was where this was positioned. And she would get their input into what she was going to be talking about like she'd go oh look this is what i'm thinking can you just pull it apart for me and she'd get all this honest feedback and she'd get all this input and so by the time and it was all in a draft format so it was really obvious that she was looking for input not just to tick a box and go thanks i'm I'm on board and then once you'd get to that meeting she was able to then put some pretty big changes and pretty controversial ideas i guess at the time through the organization but they got through so easily because she'd gone around and got that input and everybody in that room kind of felt special because they were kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I actually uh, helped help put this together. And a lot of the time maybe they didn't realise that every single person in that room had pretty much been given the same opportunity. But it's not some sort of trick. Don't take that the wrong way. It's more so that people did feel valued. And I think even when people knew that everybody in the room had been involved, they were still okay with that because they felt it was their idea, not her idea. And, and it was. It, it legitimately, uh, the way it was executed, it, it was actually a group effort and she did take the feedback on and she would tweak it to make it work. But I think sometimes, you know, that was a really good way because sometimes when you get into a room with a bunch of people, it's easier for people just to go, oh, look, it seems a bit bit tricky. So if you can get them on board in a one-on-one situation, they're probably more likely to really tell you what they're thinking, really tell you what the challenges are, what the gaps they see with your idea are, and you can work through those before you actually get to the point where people need to make a decision. And then, you know, really, if you do it well, it's just a formality of going, well, I've already got you all on board. Now let's actually move forward. And you can spend the rest of the time on that discussion talking about how do we stand this thing up? How do we get started? 
I really like that. And you're right, as with everything, it's the way that it's executed. And through getting all of those different perspectives and giving people a true opportunity to collaborate, it's amazing what people will take on board and try and have a go with because they've been able to have that meaningful opportunity to provide that feedback. And you're not going to be presenting ideas that have flaws that you haven't seen because it's not possible to know everything and it's not possible to understand the intricacies of how, you know, some of the other teams work and things like that. So, you know, when you are looking to put forward a change that is quite large and comprehensive, actually getting that understanding from all those different perspectives really does make for a much better idea that you progress with, which is one of the reasons why we talk all the time about, you know, the power of collaboration because it's just not possible to create something that's going to work for everybody without that collaboration. Yeah, don't put the pressure on yourself to know all the answers. You know, you're one person. There's so many other people with different perspectives and different skills and different experience and, you know, collaboration, you are way more powerful collaborating than you are as one individual. I don't care who you are. You know, I think that is something that we've seen over and over again. You put many brains together, more powerful than one particular brain. You know, and I, I think that's just huge. I, we even see it a lot with boards, you know, with strategy. It's just like this small group of people trying to work out like everything about the future of the organization. And it's just like bring in different perspectives into that discussion, bring in clients, bring in your partners, your stakeholders into that discussion. They're going to tell you a lot of information about the best way to move forward. You don't need to know all of it. You just need to be, you know, the best leaders are resourceful. You know, that's that's something that's been tried and tested a number and number of times and times again. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a really powerful mindset shift that we see when we're talking with CEOs who are really successful at creating these collaborative environments. They have lost that mindset of I need to know all the answers and they've exchanged that for I need to be great at asking questions and what that then does is it actually facilitates the whole team having input and yeah much much better outcomes as a result. So just to wrap it all up, I mean, really, it's all about having an organization that's great at constructive pushback starts off with the alignment of values. It starts off with great relationships, but also, you know, it's all about collaboration and asking the right questions and role modeling the behavior that you want to see from other people across the organization. So, and, you know, sharing some really great stories to to have people want to collaborate. And we've also, you know, sort of shared that uh, approach for storytelling that we like to share with people more broadly as well. So thanks so much for your time today, Dan, and uh, enjoy, enjoy your listen. Yeah, thanks, everyone. See you on the next episode. Thanks. See you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.